Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're Good morning. Good morning. I'm Carmen LaBurge. It is Monday, the 18th of July, 2022. This is Faith Radio. We're thrilled you're here with us today. Ryan Mitchell is running the show behind the scenes. Our faithful Paul Perot taking a much needed week of vacation, much well deserved. So, Ryan, uh, thank you in advance for all you're going to be doing this week. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, we love it. Um, today's verse of the day, if you're not signed up for the verse of the day, you can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. While you're there, check out all the resources we're giving away this month as a part of our biggest book giveaway ever. Get a summer reading bundle for yourself. Bundle up this summer uh, at MyFaithRadio.com. Today's verse of the day, Ephesians five fifteen to 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. This is the word of the Lord. I mean, this is the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 5. How careful are we about how we live? Am I living like a fool or am I living like a person who is wise? Am I making the most of every opportunity? And do I recognize that these are evil days in which I live? I mean, this is not, um, it's not like this was written yesterday. I mean, it is the word of God, so it is written for today. But this was written a long time ago. So when you and I uh, are led to believe or fall into the temptation of believing that, you know, it's, it's worse today than it's ever been. You know, Paul, who wrote this letter to the Christians in Ephesus, wrote in the midst of some pretty dark days under Roman rule as a prisoner, um, recognizing the very real persecution among Christians because, you know, he participated in it before his own conversion. So when Paul says make the most of every opportunity in these evil days, he is speaking to the people of the day in which he lives, but he's also speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in what becomes the Scripture of the New Testament, speaking to us today through the living word of God. So what does it mean for us to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days? What does that mean? What does that look like? Don't act thoughtlessly. Now, you know me, I would be saying, let's develop the mind of Christ in the matters of the day. Let's be inviting the Holy Spirit to take every thought captive to Christ. Let's actually think about what we're thinking about. And then let's live in accordance with a mind that is cultivated in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul puts it this way, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. How are you cultivating an understanding of the days in which we live and how you as a Christian are going to live carefully, thoughtfully, intentionally, wisely in these evil days? That's what this show is all about. If you've ever wondered, 
What's Carmen trying to do? This is what Carmen's trying to do. Uh, Help each and every one of us think carefully and thoughtfully and intentionally and wisely, mindfully about how we live as Christians, agents of grace, ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, cultivators of the culture, um, ministers of reconciliation, how we live making the most of every opportunity in the evil days in which uh, we walk this earth. All right, we're going to talk about France being on fire, actually a lot of uh, a lot of Europe on fire. We're going to talk about the report in Uvalde. We're going to talk about the 911 the 988 National Suicide Prevention Lifeline that's now operational. And we're going to talk about how you feel. How do you feel about the fact that churches across the country are increasing security? All of that and more up next here on Mornings with Carmen. couple of headlines here together on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Faith Radio. The report by um, a congressional oversight committee in the state of Texas. So we're talking here about the um, Texas House of Representatives um, issued this congressional report into the shooting in Uvalde, Texas at the Robb Elementary School cost the lives of 19 children and two teachers. And so there was uh, footage, video footage, from the interior of the school captured on um, a school hallway camera. That was released um, without the sound of the children, but including the sound of the gunfire. Today, the city of Uvalde has released body cam footage from the first responding officers who did approach the door were fired upon, started evacuating other children, and somehow lost the urgency of their original conviction, which was clearly in their body cam footage and the audio you hear related to it. Get in there, get in there, we have to get in there. Um, Somewhere, as hundreds of other officers from a number of other law enforcement agencies arrived, somewhere in the midst of that, that urgency evaporated. No chain of command was established. No incident command center was established. And everyone stood around and waited for more than an hour for orders that never came. And that's where you see in the report issued by the Texas legislature, these cascading systemic failures, no command, no control, groupthink sets in, a serious need for accountability at all levels, plenty of blame to be shared. Um, And in the midst of all of that, grieving families. In the midst of all of that, grieving families. So let's be um, let's be lifting up those families again today in prayer. Also, um, I'm I'm aware that today is the final funeral service of the victims who died on January or January uh, June. I'm going to find the month, July the fourth, um, just outside of Chicago in that shooting that took place there in Highland Park during the parade. That final. Service is taking place today as well. Lots of families grieving in lots of places about many, many things. And lots of trauma across the culture to deal with. And so the 988 National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is now operational nationwide. We talked about it um, a little bit last week. 
But I want to let you know it's open, it's operational, um, and it appears to be functioning. And so we want to share that. That's one of those things that you want to know. You want, just like you know, 911 is what you call in the case of an emergency. 988 is the number that you call and the number that you share with others to call when they are having a mental health crisis of any kind. It doesn't, it, it's not exclusively for those considering suicide or people who, you know, have ideated around that. The 988 National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is for people who, um, are having a difficult time um, in some way that is related to the way they're thinking about things. So it's not the number that you call if you need help paying your power bill. It is the number that you call when you feel like the world is so scary or dark that you can't get out of bed or you're um, considering hurting yourself or someone else. 988 is the number you want to call and the number you want to have in mind for others to call. Um, And many of you have asked, and by the way, the text line is open as always. You can always text me during the show, 877, what's our phone number? 877-933-2484, It's Monday morning. Um, Text line is open. Many of you texted in in response to the first conversation that we had about the 988 National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and said, you know, it's not expressly Christian. Are there expressly Christian um, services that you would direct us to as well? I have two to recommend to you. FaithfulCounseling.com, FaithfulCounseling.com, and TheHopeLine.com, TheHopeLine.com. So I wanted to follow up and offer answer uh, to those questions as well. Now, um, now let me get to this. How do you feel? How do you feel about the fact that churches across the country are increasing security? Here's the top line from the Associated Press this morning. U.S. houses of worship increased security um, after shooting. Um, uh, Steve Marsh never thought he would see the day that his church in Laguna Woods, California, a town of just over 16,000 people, populated largely by retirees, would be spending $20,000 a month for security. $20,000 a month for security. Um, A gunman opened fire on May 15 during a luncheon at Geneva Presbyterian Church where Steve Marsh is the senior pastor, killing one and injuring five other members of a Taiwanese congregation that meets there. Officials uh, went willing on to talk about that particular shooting, but armed security guards now stand uh, watch every weekday and during Sunday services at a cost of $20,000 a month. Um, the church is adding more security cameras and developing an active shooter plan and applying for Department of Homeland Security funding. Now, you and I are going to say to ourselves, I don't like how that feels. Um, but I'll I'll confess to you that um, I worship at a church where there are now armed police officers off-duty, who we pay off-duty police officers to be on our church campus, squad cars parked uh, very um, openly and obviously at the main entrance. Um, and, you know, they're, those guys are there to do serious business if serious business needs to be done. How do I feel about that? I'm very conflicted. So I'm wondering how you feel about that this morning. Uh, you can text me at 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. 
As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Well, good morning again. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Love to hear from you on the text line this morning, 877-933-2484. How do you feel about the fact that churches across the country are increasing security? Is that happening at your church? What are you um, now not funding in order to fund this? How do you feel about churches applying for funding from Homeland Security to pay for increased or enhanced security on church campuses. Um, how do you feel about that? I'd like to have a feelings conversation about that um, with you this morning. Uh, so when was the last time you time traveled? Mm-hmm. When was the last time you time traveled? Human beings have a unique capacity to time travel. Have you ever thought about that? Right now, right now, let me ask you to do this. Go back in time to the event in your life that has changed every day since. Right now, go back in time to the event in your life that has changed every day since. It may be a positive or a negative event. I don't know. Um, I know that for one member of my family, the event that he would go back to is the day that he was diagnosed with leukemia. That day changed every other day. Um, For a friend of mine, it would be the accident that took the life of her young husband and child. That's the day that changed every other day. Maybe it's the day you met your spouse or the day um, you met your child. Maybe it's the day you were recognized for something significant or a time you stood up when everybody else slunk back. Maybe it was, uh, maybe, maybe it's the time you, the very first time you tasted or smelled or stood as a free person liberated from bondage of some kind. When I invite you to go back to but go back in time to the event in your life that has changed every day since, where do you go? Where does your mind go? How old were you? What was the weather like? Who else was there? What's it smell like? Now, let's um let's do a little time travel together. Let's go together to the foot of a cross on a hill called Golgotha outside of a city called Jerusalem. And let's go back about 2000 years, maybe 2020 ish years. Go on, go back. Now look up at Jesus hanging there. Bloody bruised crown of thorns, nail pierced hands, King of all Kings, Lord of all Lords, creator of the universe, the very word of God made flesh struggling for breath. What's it smell like there? What's the weather like? Is it hot? 
That's when you hear him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Are you there with me now? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? That's a unique capacity, the ability to travel back in time in our minds. We also possess the unique capacity to look ahead, to travel into the future, to behold the reality of Christ exalted as Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, reigning over the fullness of the kingdom of heaven for thousands of years a new heaven on a new earth with all creation restored to its former glory. Yes, lost for a time in sin right now, but redeemed in Christ Jesus forevermore. Can you see it? Can you go there? Do you long for it? The question before us today is not, can we travel back in time? Because we can. Or can we look ahead in time? Because we can. The question is, how then, based on that, do we live right now, remembering what lies behind and pressing forward to what lies ahead in this very moment as agents of his grace, as ministers of his reconciling love, as ambassadors of his kingdom glory, how now shall we live? I read a piece by Mitt Romney in The Atlantic on the question of whether or not um, America is in a state of denial. And I commend it to you. Um, but I think that the question that it provokes is ultimately not just a question of leadership. It's a question of how now shall we live? Getting a grip on reality, everything from uh, the fact that the Great Salt Lake is actually drying up and that uh, the temperature across the globe is actually rising and inflation is real, Um And people do lie and disinformation is a problem and on and on and on and on. Romney lands on leadership as um, something that we are in urgent need of. That that is uh, a, a resolution issue for us. But Romney's um, observation that we have this temptation toward denial or distraction where we You know, we put a blinder over our eyes to the things of the days in which we live, and we either live nostalgically in the past or we live um, in, in the future hope of glory, both of which are real, both of which are real. But for some reason, God has ordained that today would be the day, that this would be the generation, that now would be the time that you and I would uniquely live upon the earth. And so what is the calling of the Christian in the midst of it all right now? What's, how, how now shall we live? So I want to make quick three points here. Number one, God. How now shall we live? God. Honor God, worship God, acknowledge God, look to God, consider God, count on God, bear witness to God. Number one on the list, God. No reason to go to number two on the list if you're not willing to settle in at number one. And keep number one, number one, all the time. The calling of the Christian in the midst of everything is God. Now, how do we reconcile with God? That's a conversation about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I want to have, I mean, we, we constantly, we frequently have the conversation about the gospel and saving faith. But right now, I just want God, the God category, to stand big and large and full at number one on the list of our calling as Christians. And if you don't know how to be reconciled to, to God through Jesus Christ, um, 
we can have that conversation. Absolutely. Send me an email. Um, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Shoot me a text on the text line and I'll follow up with you later today. Um, But for those of you who understand the reality of who God is, part of our problem and challenge is that we have forgotten that God is big and sufficient and available and God. So the calling of the Christian in the midst of all of it, all of it is God. Number two, the body of Christ. None of us was meant to shoulder the weight of all of it on our own. First, we are yoked to Christ, absolutely. But then engrafted through God's grace into a body of believers. The church as the body of Christ. It's not a metaphor. It is reality. And so if you're trying to live in denial or resistance or open rebellion from the reality of the church as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, I have news for you today. That's your eternal reality. It is the eternal reality for every believer. And so you may be distracted from the reality of the church now or living in a fanciful fiction of some Lone Ranger heresy that, you know, individual Christianity is enough. But the church is the body of Christ. And if you imagine that you're in Christ and you are in Christ apart from the church, you're fooling yourself. You're in denial. To be in Christ is to be engrafted into the body, and we all need each other growing up individually into full maturity so that the body can function properly in the world today. The world is broken in no small measure because the church is broken. And the church is broken, and now we get to number three on my list, because she has forsaken the word of God. She has undermined her own foundation, which is the word of God. And so God, the body of Christ, the word of God, these would be three points along the path to living into who we are called to be in the world today. All right. Daniel Bennett is waiting uh, in the wings. We're going to talk with him in just a moment. He's going to join us next. We're going to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of the day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Hey, thank you so much for all your interaction on the text line in uh, relationship to the question that I posed um, about how we feel about increased security in the church. Um, Here are some of the uh, some of the responses. We've had security for decades, unpaid volunteers with carry permits. Um, Here is a friend uh, listening who says I carry in church. Uh, Another friend who says um, we have had police officers in our church for many, many years. Um, I love the ability to discuss this with my adult children. It's a living example uh, as Christians. Um, So on and on and on. Jean says, uh, we appreciate uh, our security. We have have a presence. It's not obvious at our church. Um, The men are in plain clothes. I don't believe any of them are police officers presently. One man was a former officer, wears a vest. Uh, Some of them, you know, wear earpieces. Don't think any of them are paid. I think it's a volunteer force. 
let's see. Mary says each congregation needs to prayerfully consider security needs and respond to God's leading, not in fear. Yeah, I um, I think all of those are the kinds of conversations that congregations are having across the country. I appreciate your input on that this morning. Um, at a feelings level, uh, you know, I think we want to we want to feel safe as we worship, and then we also recognize that the most radical thing that we do is go to worship together and bow our heads down and close our eyes in the midst of a world that um, took the life of our Savior. I mean, it, if they were willing to kill Jesus, why wouldn't they be willing to kill us? And, um, and so it's a radical act to go and worship the Lord together, to gather together as his people. And our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world know it's a radical act. If you've ever been um, to Jerusalem and then crossed over into Bethlehem and gone into a church, you know, you know, because there's there's fire uh, scorched pews where people have lobbed Molotov cocktails through the windows during worship and people put them out with their clothes. Uh, You and I don't experience that here in the United States of America, but it is the experience of Christians around the world in many, many places gathering in secret, gathering in the catacombs, um, on and on and on. All right, we're going to talk with Daniel Bennett about the freedoms we enjoy here in the United States of America, the preservation of those freedoms, the influence of Christians in um, in significant uh, positions today. I'm gonna, we're going to talk specifically about Amy Coney Barrett and her influence on the Supreme Court. Lots going on. We're going to catch up with uh, Daniel Bennett next. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Daniel Bennett is back. You can find him at John Brown University. You can find him at the Uneasy Citizenship blog. He is Daniel R. Ben, B-E-N-N, on Twitter. Hey, welcome back. Morning, Carmen. Good morning. Amy Coney Barrett um, is, has proven to be, is proving to be an influential member of the Supreme Court. What, what, do, we, uh, what do we know about her finding out about um, her influence there? So when she was nominated back in the fall of 2020 to replace the recently deceased Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, it was seen at the time as a sort of cherry on top for the Trump administration's appointment of federal judges. Uh, Donald Trump became the first president in quite some time to nominate uh, three Supreme Court justices in just one four-year term. Uh, by contrast, Jimmy Carter, who's also served for, f- for four years, one term as president, received zero nominations to the Supreme Court. So some of it's a little mm-hmm. bit of luck, um, a lot of it's timing. Amy Coney Barrett, I think, at the time, was seen as the social conservative pick. Someone like uh, Neil Gorsuch, someone like Brett Kavanaugh, they were seen as the more federalist society, textualist, originalist picks in the mold of someone like Samuel Leto, for example. Amy Coney Barrett had experience with the Christian legal movement through 
uh, some work with Alliance Defending Freedom, which has been really successful at the Supreme Court. Uh, she's obviously uh, taught at Notre Dame for quite some time, very outspoken about her Catholic faith. And uh, this term, especially her uh, second full term, or I guess first full term on the court, uh, has been uh, nothing less uh, than a, a huge triumph for uh, social conservatives. So when you talk about the, I mean, I think about the protection of the freedom of religion as one of the ways that the court um, sort of continues to support and guarantee that which continues to be under threat by, you know, from myriad directions. Um, but it's not it's not only freedom of religion where um, her influence is seen. Can you talk just, you know, maybe briefly about some of the areas where you really see her as standing out as a shiny bright light? Yeah, obviously, with the most recent abortion decision in Dobbs, uh, she went along with the majority there. Uh, if we go back to 1992 with Planned Parenthood versus Casey, a lot of uh, the pro-life community thought that would have been the case to, to finally, 20 years later, overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, turned out that didn't happen. Um, Amy Coney Barrett was part of this majority that uh, decided to put the nail in that in that coffin. Um, she's been pretty strong on First Amendment cases in general in terms of free speech. Uh, but I think the religious liberty stuff, religious freedom, is actually worth talking about for just a second, just given uh, that she's not a rubber stamp for what a lot of critics would allege is a preferential treatment of of Christians in the United States. So going back to a case uh, last term, this Fulton v. Philadelphia case involving adoption and uh, same-sex couples, um, in that case, she very deliberately declined to overturn uh, this precedent in Employment Division v. v. Smith, uh, and, and the, the rationale here was we're not entirely sure, and she said this, we're not entirely sure what the new test for evaluating state's interest versus religious freedom ought to be. And so even though the case reached an outcome that was favorable uh, to, I would imagine, a lot of religious conservatives, it wasn't done in a way that uh, was without thought. She's very, at least in the term so far that she's been on the court, very careful and very thoughtful about the way in which her decisions will have an impact moving forward. So I want to talk um, about the the way in which some people um, have responded to the decision of the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case, not just those who have you know shown up at the homes of Supreme Court justices. We can talk about that um, in just a moment. But the way in which um, people of influence, in this case, a Harvard Law School instructor, um, have entered the conversation in the culture and done so in ways that I, I just view as grossly inappropriate um, to to threaten that Supreme Court justices who voted in a particular way um, in a particular case should, quote, never know peace again, um, to call them pariahs, um, to talk uh, to say that it's our civic duty to accost them every time they are in public Um that these justices should never have a peaceful moment in public again. This seems so over the over the line in terms of how I would hope a Harvard Law School professor would be um, 
leading people into the future. And I'm just wondering what's your reaction uh, to to this kind of behavior. It's this is not an isolated incident. It's just the one that I happen to tee up. Yeah, uh, in, in many ways, it's indicative of where our culture ha- has been heading over the past uh, couple of decades, at least, if not longer, uh, where uh, frustration or dissatisfaction with a particular political or legal outcome is met with with rage. It's met with um, just this really unbridled anger. Uh, and, you know, we've seen this in our other uh, in our other political institutions in the United States with frustration and anger directed towards members of Congress. Of course, the more extreme versions, people being targeted for violence. Um, you know, it's interesting because the Supreme Court as a legal institution has always been insulated from a lot of the politics that pervade the other uh, American political institutions. Uh, and in this case, you know, the vast majority of the Supreme Court justices are alums from Harvard or Yale. Elena Kagan famously was the dean at Harvard Law School. Um, and so there is this weird uh, I'll, I'll say weird, just like relative to the other branches, relationship between the legal community and the Supreme Court. So this instructor that you're referencing, certainly, you know, on Twitter was pretty adamant about her desire for uh, targeting these justices. But if you look at her colleagues at, at Harvard Law School, there, there's not a lot of that same vitriol or criticism being directed towards these justices. I think one of the reasons is, in many ways, they run in a lot of the same circles, right? I mean, they're the Supreme Court, and they have, you know, they they live in Washington D.C. and they're the pinnacle of the legal community. But being a Harvard Law School professor is not that bad either. And so, it's a little cliche to suggest maybe they attend a lot of the same cocktail parties. Um, but in many respects, I think the justices know each other. They or rather, the professors know the justices. They send them law clerks, and so. Um, it is unusual for this vitriol to be directed from a Harvard person to the Supreme Court, and I think it just shows the the frustration with, with that with, with that decision from so many people. Um, but when you look at the rest of the elite legal community, it's not quite to that same level. Um, but I think you're right; you hit the nail on the head that it is a symptom of a larger cultural malaise in terms of being frustrated or disappointed with the political outcome. And the reaction is not to say, well, let's see if we can solve this through another democratic or or political means. If the reaction is always let's disrupt people's private lives, that's not a healthy signal of where we're headed. No. And who's going to want to serve? You know, who who is going to want to yeah. be the next public servant if this is the way we treat? Um, yeah. Members of Congress. Uh, People in the and it's not just at the Supreme Court level of the judiciary, but, you know, if this is how we're going to treat our judges and other public servants, then, you know, who's going to want to serve? Like it's a it's a it's a mammoth uh, challenge and problem. All right, Daniel, let's take a, a very brief break. When we come back, I want to hear you respond to Twitter's suspension of Ruth sent us. So if you're listening right now and you don't know who Ruth sent us is, um, just think about those who have claimed responsibility publicly for um, the graffiti and uh, and the destruction done um, through the breaking of windows and in some case, cases the setting of fires at pro-life pregnancy centers across the country and uh, and some churches as well. So we're going to talk about that storyline next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge and this is Faith Radio. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, Twitter has suspended, and I'm going to use the term organization, but I'm not sure that's uh, the right application of the word organization. Um, they have suspended a group called Ruth Sent Us. Daniel Bennett, what is going on in this story? So after the Dobbs decision, uh, this group uh, became uh, pretty vocal about its uh, support for, and in some cases, organization of violence and and vandalism directed at pro-life pregnancy help centers across the country. They released a pretty lengthy statement, um, essentially saying, uh, you know, you can expect this kind of stuff to continue, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, after the Dobbs decision came out, they essentially said, all right, you've had your chance. Now we're going to act. Now, I think it's I think it's important to, to clarify. We don't know exactly what this group is. We don't know how many people are involved. Uh, but at the very least, uh, th- there was a, you know, threats of violence and, um, you know, obviously some acts of violence committed here. And so in response, Twitter, uh, I think rightly, <laughs> the, uh, took the group off the platform, uh, citing a lot of the same concerns of uh, support for violence that is often uh, used by Twitter to suspend uh, other outlets and individuals on the website. So uh, definitely a good decision. Uh, but again, it kind of gets back to what we were just talking about. Uh, if, you're, if your in the, uh, immediate response is... Um, to conduct violence, not only at public officials, but now at the centers that are so often, uh, you know, at the uh, at the forefront of some of these uh, some of these issues, then I think we have a larger cultural problem. Yeah. And the larger cultural problem is we think violence is the way to solve our problems. Um, That that is the I mean, violent language, violent threats. Um, and once you've like started publishing the addresses of people and you've suggested that, you know, these things should go on at these addresses, um, like you've, you've enabled it. Yeah. 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 So absolutely right. I mean, I go back historically, I mean, I teach at John Brown university. It's not that John Brown (laughs) university for your, for your listeners who are familiar with the abolitionists from Kansas, but he obviously felt that in his time, the only way to respond to the issue of slavery was to lead violent insurrections and uprisings across the country. Um, I think there's some debate about the wisdom of that just as there's certainly, I would, I would imagine pretty widespread condemnation in the pro-life community 
for uh, back in the 1980s and 90s, the fire bombings and, and uh, targeted, uh, you know, killings or targeting mm-hmm. uh, abortion providers. Um, and so no matter who it's coming from, right, in this case, at, for, for a variety of reasons, it's coming from the pro-choice side. Uh, that poses some real challenges and problems for our for our system of government in terms of how we respond, not only Christianly, but also just as good citizens. Mm hmm. Okay, I would like to talk with you at the intersection of what people are paying attention to and maybe not paying attention to in terms of um, the January 6th hearings that are ongoing um, and this new report. is the, I guess I'm going to use that language. It's a website, lostnotstolen.org, um, where establishment Republicans are making the case that... The 2020 election was legit. It was lost by Trump to Biden and it was not stolen. So lost, not stolen dot O-R-G. Um, I'm just not sure that people who are convinced that the that the election was stolen are going to take the time to go to lost, not stolen dot org and check out the information. Nor do I think that group of people is necessarily paying attention to the January 6th hearings. No. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I think that we have uh, pretty uh, obviously isolated ourselves into separate uh, information silos and media echo chambers to where, you know, Lost Not Solon is going to appeal to a very, very narrow, I guess, increasingly narrow subset of Republicans. But I think it will be lauded and, uh, I guess, highlighted by uh maybe even more Democrats to say, look, see, Republicans are even saying this election was lost, not stolen. Um, I think you're right, though, the primary audience or rather the the the, the folks who maybe might benefit the most from a website like this certainly aren't going to seek it out on their own. It won't be necessarily covered on the, in the media that they follow. Um, but this is an opportunity for listeners to just go and check it out. But even if listeners are skeptical, Right. And say, well, you know, I'm not entirely sure the election was entirely above board. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying it was stolen, but maybe there were some irregularities. Go check out the site and at the very least use that as a jumping off point for conversations with with neighbors, maybe a family or friends who are maybe more convinced that the election was was stolen. Um, Use that as a jumping off point for future conversations, because. Ultimately, that's going to be more effective interpersonally than it is to watching a show on uh, any of these media outlets. Yeah, I was thinking to myself um, back in the day when um, I mean, I don't know if everybody read it back in the day, but like the it feels like it was like the seven habits of highly effective people. <laughs> and one of those one of those habits was figuring out a way to get the issue on one side of the table so that you could sit with the person together mm. side by side yeah. And, you know, and deal with the issue together, like seated together and and put that content over there and talk about talk about the content, not fight with each other. And I can't remember what that what that principle was, but this feels like that kind of opportunity. Okay, let's set let's set this over there and let's both look at it. Lostnotstolen.org or let's set this over there, the January 6th hearings. Let's set it over there and let's both look at it. You from your lens, me from my lens, but not fighting with each other, but looking Mm. objectively at some content together. That's how maybe I'm hoping to use it in some of my relationships. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and I think that's how, you know, if I were teaching in the fall, that's how I'd be using it in, in my classes. And that's how I approach a lot of my classes, honestly, to say, okay, here's something that's going on in the world today. I know we're coming at it from different perspectives, but let's sit down and chat about it, knowing that we're not all going to agree. Students in my classes come from a variety of different perspectives. Um, but I think at the very least, even if they don't agree with each other, and they certainly don't on a lot of these issues, they can at least approach the issue in a way that doesn't demonize or see the worst in their fellow students and fellow image bearers. So that's a good start here. Uh, and, at the, and again, at the very least, maybe no one, maybe you do sit down with a friend and you do go over this website or you do talk a little bit about what's happening at the hearings. And maybe people's minds aren't changed. Maybe... Maybe no one really adjusts where they're coming from, but you can almost you can then see and they can then see from you why you believe what you believe. What is the motivation for those beliefs? And maybe it's not just that you're a bigot or that you uh, despise white Christians. Um, maybe it's you have other reasons that you didn't consider before. And so those conversations, I think, can be a good jumping off point. And I think a website like this, especially for Republicans and conservatives, could be an opening to do that. All right. So, uh, Daniel, as always, thank you so much. Appreciate you joining us, helping us um, walk around in some of the concerns of the day, particularly at the intersection uh, intersection of politics and our Christian faith. So thank you um, so much. It is an uneasy citizenship. We thank you for helping us live uh, live in the midst of it. That's uh, Daniel Bennett. You can find him at John Brown University and also the Uneasy Citizenship blog forthcoming book by the same title you're listening to mornings with carmen i'm carmen laburge and this is faith radio Okay, sometimes you guys uh, offer me up something on the text line, and um, uh, it requires me to reply in a way um, that may be too brief to get the context. And so sometimes you ask me why I'm not platforming particular um, things that you are being exposed to on the Internet. Um, And in many cases, it's because of the character of the individual who uh, is behind the, the particular content. And so because I have a long history in conservative Christian leadership in the country, because I have long history in Christian apologetics, because I have um, served on the National Association of of Evangelicals Board of Directors, I know a lot of people and I know a lot of things that they have said and done in the past. And so when they put something forward um, today in political commentary or discourse, And it is particularly inflammatory. And I look back at their character and the way they have handled themselves in other environments and their felony convictions in some cases. I'm not giving them platform on this show. It's never going to happen. So you can stop asking. Um, You can stop asking to hear from people who are putting themselves forward as political provocateurs because they have failed in the realm of Christian leadership. This is a distinctively Christian program. I'm bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day. And um, and I ultimately uh, have uh, editorial control. So there you go. Another hour up now. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.